With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 165 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. So it's a, it's a fairly, fairly positive feel, I think, from uh, yesterday's performance against Nottingham Forest. Some may see it as, as two points dropped after us leading the game twice. Others may see it as one point gained. If you said before the game you were guaranteed the points, I think some would have would have certainly taken that. And it was a it was certainly a game where Everton, I thought, bossed large periods. Um, I thought a two odds was probably fair. To be honest, I think both sides deserve something from the game. Um, but it, it all also showed the the improvements that that we've made. I think in an attacking sense. I know we've we struggled for goals on the show and place. But we haven't struggled to create chances. It's probably the best way to, to look at it. Um, and we've said quite often we just haven't had the people on the spot to, to put the ball in the back of the net. But we, we scored a couple yesterday, which was which was nice to see. The manager made a, a change up top with the Gray coming in for, for the start uh, as a as a central striker, but was very mobile in, in his approach. Well, Lee, what, what are your what are your thoughts? What's your take from the game? Are, are you satisfied with the point? Do, do, do you think it was two points dropped? If I'm honest, mate, I'm, I'm I'm probably slightly different to you. Um, and obviously, you went to the game, and got a feel for it, and, and and everything else as an away fan. But I think it's two points dropped for me. Um, the game's running out. You know, we're still in the bottom three. Everyone else has got a game game in hand around us. Um, you know, we're going to need to win. We've got twelve games left. We're going to need to win at least four of those. And that was a real opportunity for me yesterday. It was a real opportunity before the game, I thought, even though they've had a half-decent home record, Forest. I mean, they're unbeaten in eight, um, and they've played Man City and, and you know, a few of the half-decent teams at home in that time as well. They've won a lot of games 1-0 at home as well. Having said that, before that little run they've had at home of unbeaten in eight, um, they'd lost three at home as well, um, before that, including Fulham. I think that was before the World Cup. Um, so... I thought it was a real opportunity to grab an away win. And as the game panned out, you know, certainly after the first half, even more so, because, you know, we, we were certainly started, you know, we started well, started on the front foot. I liked our aggression from the kickoff. We tried to establish ourselves in the game. We did that. It led to a half chance to McNeil on his left foot at the edge of the box. Probably should, well, definitely should have done better on his favourite foot sliced it and skewed it well over. Then not long after that, we got the penalty, which was a blatant penalty, obviously, uh, even though they tried their best to, to, to get it overruled with VAR again. Um, and fair play to Damari Gray, dispatched it well. Um, 
I thought you were going to give me a bit of kudos there, to be honest, because uh, any listeners to the last week's podcast, I was basically begging for Damari Gray to find a, find a way in this team. Um, and um, not that we've, we're listed with options, by the way. So, But, uh, you know, um, Neil Mope makes Damari Gray look mar- like Maradona, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he had to get into that team um, and he should have started against Arsenal as well. We saw, saw the problem Solanke gave uh, Arsenal on the counter-attack in his pace um, and obviously thank God Arsenal managed over the line in that um, but yeah that was that, we were crying all day for for someone with a with a bit more about them in, in the uh, in the final third and Gray gave us that you've got to give him massive credit you know it's the first time he started in the Daesh you know I thought on the whole I know he tied massively in the second half but on the whole he, he was a threat wasn't he he carried the ball he actually held it up way better than Mopai did you know, against two sort of, you know, big centre-halves, experienced centre-halves. Um, and I'm just I'm just ruining it, Mike, because, like I said, we're just running out of games and, and there's some tough games in that in, in that in those last 12 as well. You know, far harder games than what we had over the weekend. And, that, and that, that's, my, that's my real concern there. You know, that first half, blatant, and we'll come on to talk about it, blatant penalty on Coleman for me. I don't care what you say. You know, Colback's got the wrong side of him there, and he has to understand that any defender knows in that situation, once you've been done by a pass, which he has, he's the wrong side. He has to almost hold his hands up and say, "Right, I can't touch this guy whatsoever now in the box. He's done me. I'm going to have to let him cross it." He's panicked. He's tried to get back goal side, and Sheamus has kicked the back of him. You know, I said to you off air then, if Sheamus is one on one on goal on the keeper, and that tackle happens, it's it's a blatant penalty. It's no different then to when it's a cross. And the fact it went to VAR and it was dismissed within seconds because of this farcical rule of go, yeah, we'll go with the uh, we'll go with the actual on uh, on field decision because it has to be a howler. But well, no, your job is to assess that. The referee should have stopped the game. Instead, the you know they took their goal kick within seconds, so therefore the game's restarted. And then within seconds, it's gone right. Yeah, well the game's restarted now. Yeah, VAR's looked at it, no pen. You know, that's a massive decision in our season, that. Massive decision, you know, because Decore scores not long after that. That could have been the third goal. It could have been 3-1 and basically as good as game over. So, look, I don't want to harp on, you know, too much because there was a lot of positives to take away from the game as well. But I know you're a little bit more sort of positive with me about the result. I, I just think, Mike, with the games we've got coming up, we had to get three points yesterday, especially the fact we've had this game in hand. You know what I mean? That's a big thing as well. You know, we could drop into the bottom two, you know, if not worse, um, if results don't go our way again at the weekend. I think what we have to look at, for me, obviously I understand I, I was there yesterday and you always, you're always coming away disappointed because you led the game twice and you think what could have been, you know, another couple of points there puts us in, in touching distance of Nottingham Forest, I think would have been a point behind them, puts us in touching distance of, of Crystal Palace. Um, and it drags other sides right in there, so it's it disappointing from that fact, uh, from that angle. Sorry, so I, I do understand that particular that argument. Um, I think what what encouraged me yesterday was the fact we got a couple of goals. Was the fact that outside of those two goals, we look we look bright, we look lively. Even in the second half, when I thought Everton sat back a little bit more, and we probably were told at our time, this is leading to one, what, what we have, we hold. We still got in a couple of times down the flanks and, you know, into the box. And I think Garner was one, James Common was another one, Dwight McNeil on the other side. 
where you know the, the crosses were getting blocked by by Forrest and, and then getting cleared and you know on another day pick a better option um and 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 different things and other things can happen so I think from that aspect I was that that's where I'm drawing my my positivity uh, my positivity from I mean there's a lot to talk about of course you you mentioned the the, the potential penalty on Seamus Coleman you know let, let's let's sort of go back we, we took the lead from a penalty which was you know nice little nice little bit of football uh, in terms of from Dwight McNeil decent feet he was brought down stuck away really well with confidence from the Mario Gray and you know great start to the game of course of course it was and you know that settled us a little bit I thought we started quite well anyway but it settled us um and then we left Forrest back in the game you know this is it always disappoints me when we can we concede fairly quickly was it eight minutes I think after we scored the first goal they they got there first and you know you look at, at the the talent that they've got I was speaking before games to, to a friend who we went with and you know Gibbs White was one who was highlighted you know he's had a decent season Brennan Johnson was highlighted at a decent season both threats both I think dynamic footballers carry the ball well they've got pace um, and I think the disappointing thing for me from the first goal is that I think Michael Keane he was about four or five yards from Gibbs White as he was coming on with the ball. He just kept on backing off. He just kept on backing off. And I was just like, well, go and engage with him. Just go, just put a little bit of pressure on there. And he can't advance any further and has to do something else because there was plenty of players in and around Gibbs White at the time. I mean, he just, he said, he said, obviously he gets, he gets his shot away. Pickford makes, makes a save and, and we don't react. You know, Brennan Johnson reacts first and puts it in the, in the back of the net. So, that was disappointing for me to, to to see us let them back into the game um, so so soon after. Um, but the thing again, is with that one, the thing is with that one on that point while you're talking about it, I think Keane he gets dragged out, then he gets dragged out of the back four. You know, so Gibbs White drops into the hole to pick up the ball. And, and by the way, you know, like you were there, you saw you saw more of it live. You know, he, look, he looks a real player. You know, we we were sort of almost scoffing at Forest what they paid for him. But, you know, he, he looks a real talisman for them. He looks a real talent. He can do, you know, pretty much every side of the game, give or take. But, yeah, so what Gibbs White has done first and foremost, he's dropped into the pocket. That's dragged Keane out of the back four. Um, and then, obviously, you know, he's played that one too. And it was a lovely touch by Chris Wood, in fairness, as well, to lay it back off to him. Keane's, Keane's done for then, because, obviously, Gibbs White is a lot quicker. We know Keane turns like the Titanic. So, so, so you know, it's, it's it's a clever bit of play, to be fair. I mean, um, you've got to give credit to them. I mean, whether Keane should be dragged out or not, it, it, you know, it, there's, there's a debate there because if someone doesn't engage with him, then, you know, he's effectively can turn and shoot or do, or do whatever he wants, can't he? So I can understand why Keane's dragged out. But if he is, if the thing is, if Keane does come out there, though, he has to win the ball or just or, or give away some form of foul or stop the play or whatever. Problem is he does neither, and then therefore he's done for, and that's the gap that opens up, which allows him to get the shot off, isn't it? That that that's exactly exactly right, and you know I, I suppose sometimes because because there is so so many analytics behind football and involved with football nowadays, we we we, we sort of sometimes over analyze things and look at things in, in in great depth, and you can always apportion blame, I think, to, to somebody for the for the vast majority of goals, and I just found it a, a little bit. A little bit strange and a, and a little bit of a. I, I understand what you're saying about the fact that he was he was dragged out, but it, it it's still so so frustrating, you know, the fact that okay, they are you know he is a good player. We've said that already. He he does carry a threat, but just how are we just we just backed off, backed off, and 
you know, it's it, it annoys the life out of me that. But you know, I think that the, the really the really positive thing about it is that you know we responded, didn't we? So we 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 responded again, and you know, okay, another set piece, still not not a goal in in open play. You, you can argue, um, I mean, the ball's gone a long way. Headed back across was it from Sarkowski. Little flick from Michael Keane. Great little run from Decoray, by the way, to, to get on the end of it. And, and, he, and he sticks it in. And, you know, at that particular point, you're thinking, you know, there's more goals in this. And, you know, they've reacted well. We're a threat. You know, we, we for me, we were the much better side in the first half. We totally deserved our lead. And, and we, were causing them, we were causing them problems. You know, corners, free kicks in and around the area. I, I think you mentioned Damari Gray there. I think what, what Damari Gray brought us, was that okay? He was a central striker, but he was really mobile across the the, the front. So sometimes he'd drift out to the right, sometimes he'd drift left, and then and then McNeil was was switching. But what what it was allowing was it was allowing Onana then. He was then coming forward and, and into the hole as as a central striker at times. So if Gray was getting it wide, he'd see Onana be the one who was he was getting into the into the box. And I think that's what it brings us. It brings us that bit more mobility. In, in the front three ways, sometimes we're, we're quite static, we're quite rigid. McNeil will hug the, the left-hand side, and Wobie will be on the right. Um, you said already that we, we feel that, that, I know you have especially, that Wobie loses a lot of his, his attributes and, and the positive side of his game by, by just staying on the right-hand side. Um, and certainly when Mopey's been playing or, or Sims, they're going to hang around essentially having a more dynamic front three who can move around, Gray is, is ideal for that. Uh, and it does create a little bit more space for others then to, to run into because, because he is so quick, he gave their defenders, their centre-half, something to, to think about all the time. They had to, had to, you know, should they stay, should they go? And it creates that space automatically. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I think it was, to be honest, mate, it was a relatively fluid front three that, in the first half especially, you know, we had nine shots in the first half. You know, our XG was like 1.6, 1.7 for the first half alone. And um, what I noticed or what I liked, what I saw is, is you are right. Gray was sort of like, you know, not 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 in one position. He was sort of drifting out to the to the wings as well. What I did like is that is that McNeil was clearly given uh, license to roam as well. And he popped up on the right hand side. We clearly targeted that right hand side or their left hand side. You know, McNeil was popping up on that side uh, with, with Coleman and Awobi as well. And there's a few times McNeil just a lack of, you know, he had one or two chances where he did to cross it in, cutting back in on his left foot, and he just didn't get any height on the crosses, and it hit the first man. And behind that first man, that like you said, Onana and Decore were in there, you know, a bit more quality on that crosses. They've got free headers there, but then he also popped in on, in, on the right side again, and then had a had a pop shot. Then he tried to bend one, which obviously Navas tipped over. It was a bit too central, but either side, it's probably a goal. And I like that fluidity. We haven't really seen that, you know, considering we've we've really not carried any sort of attacking threat at all all season. So that was good to see. Um, you know, the only thing you know I'm really critical of is, is obviously look, we should have had a pen. And Coleman's reaction says it all for me as well. I've said what I think about that, but it, it's just Gray has another great chance, doesn't he, towards the end of the first half where Decore, who I thought had a really good game to be fair, other than obviously getting criticised for giving the ball away for their equaliser. I thought he had a good game. And, you know, that that little shimmy, he, 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 he you know, threatens to cut inside, goes down the left. Defend, he's done the defender, pulls a great ball back. 
you know, grey there has got all the time in the world. He could, you know, he's, for me, he should have probably just took a touch and then just composed what just, you know, just slotted it into the roof of the net. He's he's trying to take it first time, you know, with his with his instep and completely scuffed it into the defender. That's a massive chance. You know, if that's a top forward there, I feel like I'm you know, a broken record saying this all the time. They just take a touch, realise their surroundings and just slot it into the net because they, they're done. You know, they're done. The core has done all the hard work. We've said it before, Man City scored, you know, 20, 30 goals a season like that where it's pulled back across the goal like that. And, and you know, that's a big chance to make it three. And, you know, I don't know what you think, but my biggest criticism, my biggest criticism, after, after we conceded, after we went 1-0 up and we were in the ascendancy, you said they scored within eight minutes. And that's partly our own downfall again, because instead of doing what we were doing well, we allowed them to get back into the game. You know, again, by just almost like stopped, stopped doing what we were doing. And the same happened in the second half. And it's clear as day for me that Dice has indicated, right, lads, we keep a clean sheet here, second half. We let them have the ball and we try and counter-attack and then try and, try and hurt them on the counter. And we did have some promising positions on the counter. And Dice referred to that in his press conference. We just didn't make the right decisions. And I agree with that. But for me, we were do- what we were doing well in the first half was working. We should have, we should have, for me, got on the ball more. You know, if you look at the possession in the first half, I think it was pretty much 50-50. Second half, they had 63%. Mm. Now, I understand they are the home team and they're going to have a reaction. They've got the crowd behind them. But, you know, it's not Forest. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not Arsenal away. It's not City away. You know what I mean? You know, the, the, we, were, we were the dominant team in the first half. We had nine shots in the first half. We had one in the second half. That, for me, you've got to go and get that third goal. You've got to get it. The game's there to be to be taken. And I think Dyche's natural instinct is to you know, defend what we've got. And I think he's told the players, look, lads, sit off, let them have the ball, keep a clean sheet. And, and to be fair, other than the goal, they didn't really create very many opportunities. I know they had a few bits towards the end where it was flashing across the goal and stuff, but that that's the killer for me. Sometimes you've got to realise there's a wounded animal here. Let's go for the kill, and and, and we just sat off, and that that could be the difference, you know, between winning and and, and losing and staying up and going down, can't it? I think I think yeah, I, I get your point. Uh, I do think we we said obviously earlier on before the show that it very much appears that the message was a hard time, especially that winning two one will give up a little bit more possession. You know, we've done it in previous games. When we've gone ahead against Arsenal, obviously we did it. The Leeds game, went ahead against Leeds, and then that, that created space for us because they're then chasing the game. And I think probably Sean Dice rightly probably feels that, well, if they're chasing the game, we're going to get more chances on the counter. We're going to find that little bit more space. I think where our downfall was a bit yesterday, which is why we didn't come away with three points, and it was, it was evident for me just being there and looking at certain players. It was fatigue. Fatigue was a big factor. Now, we played Wednesday, obviously, tough game against Arsenal. Didn't come away with anything. And Sean Dice was keen to point out after yesterday's game that, OK, almost as much as it wasn't a fantastic performance, from a physical perspective, the stats showed that, listen, we worked hard, we ran. You know, so there was fatigue there. But watching the players yesterday, as we got to around 60, 65 minutes, you started to see players flag. Damari Gray, you mentioned earlier on, he did most definitely. You know, he he, he felt that he hasn't hasn't played a full ninety for for all, for a long long time. Well, for a good few weeks anyway. Um, ben Godfrey, 
I put a tweet out earlier on today. The last time he started the game was against Southampton. Bear in mind, prior to all of that, he missed three, four months through injury after breaking his leg against Chelsea. He had a couple of substitute appearances. I think he started four or five games this season. So Ben Godfrey was thrown in, I think, about, got about 20 odd minutes, 25 minutes against Arsenal. And he started the game because Mikhailenko was injured. Um, he was flagging. Iwobi was was flagging. He was tired. You could see it. McNeil. So with when our attacking players are tired uh, and they then can't press with the same intensity and can't put Forest defenders under under the same kind of pressure, that's going to impact. Because when your first line of defence is struggling to, to to put that pressure on. When the ball's getting cleared by our, our back four, up to the players, third up the pitch, quite often then it wasn't sticking. It was coming straight back. As I say, we couldn't put them under, under the same kind of pressure. And then you look at the bench and the manager turns around and looks at the bench and it's like, well, what can I do? What, look at the quality or lack of it. What can I do? Now, there's an argument there for, listen, it doesn't matter if you've got quality there or not. If it was 20, 25 minutes ago and you went into 2-1, you take off the migraine, you throw on Mope or you throw on Sims because of the fresh, the fresh. Tom Davis was ready to come on and then Forrest got the second goal and he sat back down. And we didn't make our changes until 85, 86 minutes. In the meantime, they made they made a simple substitution bringing on Dennis, Andre Ayew, two players who can cause, can cause problems. Whereas we didn't have that at our disposal. But, I mean, the question to you really is, despite the lack of quality, would you still have looked to have made changes earlier just from a fresh legs perspective? I totally agree with that point, yeah. Especially the fact we had a game in midweek and they didn't. You know, like you said, I mean, you know, it was a tough game uh, away at Arsenal. You know, I'm, I'm still annoyed that they rearranged that game, by the way, to plonk it in the middle there, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, that, that that was, you could see we were getting leggy. You know, and, and we, were, we were sort of hanging on when we shouldn't have been, really, um, in terms of, you know, as I said, having no threat whatsoever, pretty much. But he, he does look at the bench there. You know, he's got three centre-halves on the bench for a start, which doesn't help in terms of when you're trying to, you know, change a game. You know, the fact they could bring on two strikers. Um, we've said it before, you know, Sims is nowhere near ready and Mope is not of the required level. But in that instance, there uh, he had to he had to he had to be more decisive for me, Daish. Uh, he's shown that a few times this season already, hasn't he? Where he, you know you need to be more decisive. I understand if the game's going for you and you kind of say, "Look, I don't want to make any changes," but he's got to be able to see that there and bring on fresh legs. The difference is, you know, since he was last a manager, you can make five subs now. You know what I mean? Five. So you know. He's got to think there. Look, even if he brings James Garner on, I know James Garner's only you know he's come back from an injury. He's been out for a while, but he's you know he's got a few quite a bit of minutes under his belts recently in, in the uh, under twenty threes, and yet you know bring him on. He likes to get on the ball, Garner. Have a bit more control in midfield. You know what I mean? I mean Davis. You know we we love Tom, but we just know he's obviously not not here. You know, we know he's not of the required level. And for me, he, he's got to he's got to make those moves earlier. Put an extra body in midfield, then if he has to, do you know what I mean? Just like like a Garner, you know, or even Holgate, like he did in the you know Holgate, you know, likes to put himself about. He's got a bit of energy about him. Yeah, he's also susceptible to getting getting a red card as well. He's, he's a bit crazy when he plays in midfield. But you know, read the situation. Don't react to the situation once it goes to two two. 
you know, because once it goes to 2-2, there's only one favourite in the game then. And that's them because they've got the crowd behind them. They know it's a massive game. But that that was, um, you know, you can talk about the good point. You know, it's a good point, Hard it's better than not getting any, yes. But if you look at the wider picture, mate, you know, that, they had a chance, we had a chance to go one point behind them and drag them right back into it. Now there's still a four-point gap. That's a massive gap at this stage of the season. Massive gap. You know, and, and Forest have been one of the worst form teams in the last half a dozen games as well. You know, so it's it's it, it's just frustrating for me that we've not realised the bigger picture there and gone, look, this is not September, this is not October. You know, we're now in March. You know, we've got, we, we need to win games. And, and we should have just gone for the jugular and gone for three. As soon as we allowed them to get on the ball, Although they didn't create a great deal, they, they, they you know, you, you were basically saying, "Go on, then go and try and get a goal." And I, I just don't, it just doesn't sit right with me like that against a team like, like, like Forest. You mentioned Leeds there. We did it against Leeds. We sat off after the goal. Yeah, but the difference was we only had about twenty minutes to go in that game. You know, you're basically saying, "Look, sit off for basically fifty minutes here and try and keep a clean sheet for fifty minutes." Well, you, you, that's just that's just ridiculous. You know, we're not playing a top-class side. And, and that's what's really, really frustrated me there. Because we win that game, we go two points, we, sorry, two places above the relegation zone. It lifts the whole club. You know, all of a sudden, then if Southampton win or Bournemouth win their next games, they're still not going to go ahead of us on goal difference. Now, you know, if they manage to get a result in the next game, we could be bottom. Oh, listen, I understand all of that. I think, I think the thing is, though, I think it, it doesn't pay to probably dwell on the fact that you know you can argue missed opportunities and and things like that. I I look to other games outside of Forest, by the way, where there's been missed opportunities. I include Aston Villa in that, uh, which was a, which was a, a decent performance, but we come away with no points. I include the Wolves game in that. Southampton at home, they're the games, and it, it is frustrating. Of course, it's frustrating because we've led twice. We've looked probably in that first half under Sean Dyche. That's probably the best we've looked in an attacking sense. And I think we've done well. I've said it already in other games. We've created chances. But having Damari Gray there is another problem for defenders. It, it does occupy defenders in, in terms of more bodies. You know, he, he was at one point, he think he dragged two or three of them out with him. And he did, and he flipped it down the line. And since White McNeil and brought him in. Little things like that. He's got that ability. And it's important now that the players can recover and then obviously go again for Brentford. But I think that... You know, my latest piece, for which is going to come out tomorrow uh, on Tuesday, looks at the fatigue aspect in, in a way and also the fact we've got a reliance on 11, 11 to 12 players. You know, I include the ones who started yesterday, Connor Cody in, in that as well. But I think what we have to look at now from a, a positive aspect, which hopefully will help the manager and give him more options, is that we have got James Garner back in the squad. Nathan Patterson will be in the squad, I, I don't doubt, on Saturday. He's played for the 21s now for a couple of games. He was a little bit behind James Garner. I expect him to be there. Calvert-Lewin was touch and go for the squad at the weekend. I expect Dom to probably be on the bench against Brentford. So when you start looking at the bench now, hopefully from Saturday onwards, you have got players you know, who come on and, and do a job and, and bring a little, bit, a little bit more quality when you are looking to close a game out. Because if we make attacking substitutes yesterday, if we take Gray off and bring on, say, a fifth Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and we bring on James Garner's energy in midfield for, and a Wobie was flagging and, and what have you. That's more quality than Tom Davis and Neil Mopay. And, and it gives you a chance then to actually not only just see a game out for a point, 
but nick something as well with the quality that you're bringing on i think that's a good point but but what going back to what i was saying i'm frustrated about we're also you know a couple of injuries away from being like oh we're in we're, we're in deep trouble here you know if someone like onana gets injured now for example or you know garner even i know garner's obviously you know had a couple of poor games um before this game although i thought he played well yesterday um you know, we're suddenly very light, aren't we, in that in that middle of the park. You're suddenly then looking at a, you know, a Tom Davis, a Holgate or a James Garner who's barely played. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm saying, you know, the game there was, yesterday was for the taking against, in my opinion, a side that, you know, is still in the relegation fight. And I think they've been very fortunate in the fact they've won a lot of home games, like I said, tight games, 1-0. And that's where they are, where they are. You know, their, their goal difference is, is, is pretty poor. You know what I mean? Their goal difference is a, is a bottom three side, but they've managed to so nick those games, and that's why they've managed to pull away a little bit. Um, but they're still they're still in the mire. But you know, they can count themselves lucky. And, and like I said, I, I just think they're certainly up there with Leeds and a few others of some of the poorer and Samson as well, and some of the poorer teams we played this season. And I just think you know, like I said, the game's running out. We've only got twelve games left. We've got to win four, possibly even five, possibly. Do you know what I mean? And that that's the big worry for me. I'd feel so much more confident now if we were sitting on 24 points with, you know, 12 games to go and, and instead of sitting on 22. And that sounds a stupid statement, but it's true, isn't it? 24 is just that little bit closer, isn't it? It feels there's more daylight at the end of the tunnel in terms of trying to get what we need to stay up. By the way, I don't think it'll be 40 this year either. I think with the amount of teams that are down there, there's no... You know, one team, maybe two that are completely cut adrift from the rest. There's about seven or eight teams here that are all sort of sort of winning games one week, losing the next. So I think, you know, we could end up staying up with maybe as little as maybe 35, 36 points. Obviously, look, you can't take that risk. But at the same time, you know, I, I just I just think it was a real opportunity loss, mate. It really was. And, and I, I just don't like the fact that we retreated and went into our shell in the second half. No, of course, of course, and I, and I, I agree with all those points. But I just, I just want to touch on before we do wrap up the, the obviously the, the Forest review, is the refereeing performance outside of Seamus Coleman's blatant penalty. And the reason why I bring it up, some people obviously sitting there and watching it live and seeing things that maybe aren't being seen, little things that were going on. I mean, Steve Cooper's had, has got the brass net to come out today and and basically say they're right into the uh, to the referee. Those in charge of the referees, there's a PGMOL to, to basically, you know, highlight the poor performance of officials, including yesterday against us. And I think to myself, you, you've got to be watching, you've got to be watching a different game. The point he's got is is over the, the Tarkowski foul, where he didn't he didn't touch the man. The player rolled around screaming, which is clearly one of the free kick. He got booked, Tarkowski. They got a free stop play, but Forrest were looking to break. I think the ball up to halfway to, to Brennan Johnson. What I would highlight as an Everton fan is Seamus Coleman, the loss of control in the second half from I think the 52nd minute when I think Godfrey was pulled for a foul in a wide position and he won a free kick. And there was a, a bit of a melee. There was loads of bookings. I thought Godfrey was fouled. I thought it was a poor decision. But then Forrest then brought the ball in about 12 yards from where the foul took place. The referee let that go. and he, So he changed the angle. He put it closer to goal. Incredible how he can get away with that. But all game... What they were doing, they were moving the ball a good 10, 12 yards for every free kick. Now, I understand players pinch yards. We did every side does it, I get it. But not, you know, at times, I think one point, 
the free kick. That, I know you can argue the goalkeeper took it. The foul was on um, on the the goal line in line with the goal, and he moved it to the edge of the 18-yard box. Now you can't. I understand sticking in sort of three or four yards, but you can't stick at 18 yards for a free kick. And I guess for me was given gave Forrest a lot, a lot of things. I thought that weren't fouls, and he was getting them through player reaction and crowd reaction. And I think he lost control. That, that spell in the second half from that free kick, which caused a bit of a melee, to another 15, 20 minutes later, you know, including the Tarkowski situation and, and what have you. And I just feel that the referee was so, so poor. I mean, we touched on Anthony Taylor, obviously, the other week as well, how bad he was. But the referee, the, the level of officiating is as bad as I've ever seen it. And I can I compare that to last season when it was terrible. And the, the reliance on VAR to do the job is, is horrendous. The fact that we're seeing what I felt and what you feel was a blatant penalty on Seamus Coleman totally waved away. By the way, if he gives that in real time, it doesn't get overturned. It does not get overturned, by well, the way. That, 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 for me, is a bang-on point. That, that's the farce of the whole thing. The whole point of VAR is to basically re-review those sort of situations. Key, key game, in-game situations. And then, you know, the, the game should be stopped. When do you ever see it in rugby where they kind of go, all right, we, we, you know, we'll have to review that with the CMO. Okay, right. They, they don't carry on playing. They don't carry on playing. The referee's mic'd up. The guys in the, you know, in the studio who are analysing it are mic'd up. And they review the decision and talk the way through it. Like I said, you know, Forrest took the free kick before anything could even happen. Uh, the goal kick, sorry. Before anything could even happen. That was the joke of it all. And once the game's restarted, it's almost impossible then to stop it again to then kind of go, oh, we need to review that and look at it closer. The decision of kind of like, you know, oh, we'll go with the in-game decision because we didn't feel, uh, you know, it was it was a howler and a cocker. Well, that's not that's not what it's there for. It's there to, to analyse key in-game, not, not every five seconds when there's a foul or a throw-in or a free kick or whatever. It's to review a game-changing situations like that where it's a penalty. I'm trying to take the bias out of it, and normally we do on, on, on this podcast, to be fair. But like I said, we've seen that a million times where the defender gets the wrong side. It's a great pass from Awobi. He's played it inside there, and he stops Coleman from putting the cross in. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's panicked. He's gone, right, he's done me here. I'm the wrong side. He's obviously tried to get back round, and he's kicked the back of his foot. It's a penalty. It's a blatant penalty. Yeah, and, and that's a difference right there. This stage of the season... You score three by half-time. Like I said, the game is as good as over then. They've got to come out and score three goals to turn it around in the second half. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and and that's the difference right there sometimes between winning and losing games. It's a, it's a shocking decision. The, the referee had a complete lack of control throughout the whole game. There was eight yellow cards in total throughout the whole game. Five for us, three for them. It was, it, it was niggly at times, don't get me wrong, but it was never an eight yellow card game that game yesterday. And that one, and the one that Cooper's complaining about, which you just referred to there, where Brennan Johnson, they've cleared it down the line. Brennan Johnson was in on goal and he stopped, he stopped the play. Well, not in on goal, but potentially running at our back, back, back four or back two at the time. He's in on goal. Well, have a word with your guy then who's screaming on the touchline when he's not even been touched. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the problem. The guy knows that Tarkovsky's coming in. Look, arguably, Cox. Tarky doesn't have to go in for that uh, challenge. We all know that. He, he, he loves he loves a, a niggly game anyway. We can tell he loves it. He doesn't have to go in for that. But the guy's screaming when he's not even being touched. So the referee then has to stop the game and book him. When it was never in a million years a, a bookable offence anyway because he's not even touched him. 
But the point is, is Cooper going to have a word with your guy and say, look, you don't scream on the touchline there, mate. Like you've been, you've had your leg broken, and then you've got you've potentially got a goal scoring chance. That's yeah. what he should be moaning about. But he also as well, I mean, he was quite. He gets a book at Ben Godfrey as well. I I thought, you know, I think Godfrey got pulled for a foul early on, which was his shoulder to shoulder, by the way, and he pulled him for a foul. Ridiculous. Football's a game where you are allowed to have a little bit of physicality. And and the methods to the referees, by the way, this season was to allow a bit more physicality, to, to go back a little bit and let the game flow. And it wasn't a foul. And he pulled him for a foul straight away. And then the next time he he, he fouled someone, he booked them, which was which, which was pathetic. And what, what that meant then for us was Forrest's most influential player in Brennan Johnson. They were then trying to make everything go through him. So the ball was getting lifted to the to their right-hand side, our left, to try and put him onto Godfrey, to try and co- to, to commit Godfrey. And I thought Godfrey did really well. I thought he adjusted his game really well. He backed off a little bit and didn't get too close at times where, you know, he might then sort of overcommit and and and, uh, and foul the man and look to then get booked again. So I think he adjusted really well and came into the game, Godfrey, before before he retired. But things like that which impact how you can play and, and certain players and, and their impact because of poor officiating. But I'm sick and tired of, of, of going on about officials because, you know, we, we should be able to go to a game and not notice the referee. But we we do all the time over things, you know, whether it's a lot of control, over poor, over poor decisions that are being made, not seeing other things, little things like that. And it all then adds up. And and him losing control is what led to, I think, the the frustration for for, for both, I suppose, both sets of fans. But from our from our viewpoint, I thought he was absolutely horrendous. But it's a weekly occurrence, unfortunately, and and you know, we're all being dealt these the these same cards, but you know, all in all, you know, we, we've taken a point on the road. We scored a couple of goals, um, and it's back to Goodison Park at the at the weekend for another vitally important game at home to Brentford, which we're going to discuss after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast, and we welcome Brentford to Goodison Park on uh, on Saturday, three o'clock. We think back to last season, near the back end of the season. We all remember what happened there when we. Uh, we led the game and lost the game, three goals to two. Uh, Christian Eriksen running the show for Brentford. Brantwaite sent off, if I remember correctly, fairly early on. Firework outside the Brentford players' hotels. All, all of that was uh, was going on. Um, and they are they're coming back to Goodison Park for uh, another vitally important game, as I say, on, on Saturday, before we enter three games, which, you know, on paper look difficult. Um, but... What I will emphasise is every game is as difficult as the next at this moment in time. And we are seeing sides getting points off the so-called better sides. We've done it ourselves with Arsenal, of course. Uh, we, we saw the likes of uh, Bournemouth from Arsenal really close the other day. We saw an average Liverpool side thumping a Manchester United side who were flying high uh, as well. So, you know, sides who aren't doing particularly well can take points off anybody, but... The most important game is always the next one. And, and Brentford, we know what they bring, you know, a, a side who've had stability for a number of years. Very settled squad, I would argue. Plenty of pace on the uh on the counter and players you can you can hurt us. Um so Lee, it's not it's it's gonna be another game, isn't it? Where we're gonna have to be very much on our guard, very, very disciplined against some some real talented footballers there. 
yeah, Brentford, you know, have really established established themselves as as a, as a solid Premier League team, and you know, you, you've got to give massive credit to Thomas Frank. I mean, he's, he's done a great job since he's been there. I like the way he comes across, he's a good manager. Um, you referred to that game last season, which you know turned on a dime, and we were unlucky not to win it in the end. Um, we had a good game against them earlier in the season, if you remember. They scored, I think, with five six minutes to go, didn't we? When we were one 0 up in that game. Um, they're, they're, they've only lost once in the last eight games themselves. Uh, they've had some good results. They've had a draw away at Arsenal. Um, you know, they've beaten Liverpool comfortably at home. Um, so, you know, they, they 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 have been playing pretty well, and, and obviously Ivan Tony makes all the difference for them in terms of uh, being you know pretty much the sole attacking threat. But it's the way he holds the ball, at the way he, he's clever in his play. You know, as I said, he, he's he's a very good goal scorer. He, he's you know doesn't even look like he's going to miss when he has a penalty you know and, and it's just a shame that these charges aren't going to happen before yeah you know I mean because it looks like he's going to be convicted he's admitted the guilt for the vast majority and it'll probably be from April onwards when he gets the ban which again is another farce by the way because you know he's pretty much going to get the ban during the summer break and mm-hmm. then he'll be back to start the you know the new season pretty much so again it's just absolutely farcical the time it takes to to, to look at these things but that's another story but Look again, another another game. Uh, although they're they're a decent side and they're a solid Premier League side, you've got to you've got you know if you, as I said before, the games are running out. This is a game we've got to look at as getting three points from. We've got to look at get three points against us. If, we, if we've not picked up points against Forest there, which we should have done, we should have got something with the way we played against Villa. We certainly can't afford to lose at home to Brentford at the weekend. We just can't. We just can't. And and and. You know, we've, like I said, we've got some tough fixtures coming up after that. I know Chelsea away aren't, aren't the team they were, but they got a result of the weekend. They could suddenly turn it around quite easily. You know, we've got Spurs to play. We've got United to play away. You know, we've got City to play as well. It, this is this is a game we have to go all out and try and get the win. We just have to. Um, and, you know, again, if we can score the first goal and not retreat into our shell, I do fancy us. My only worry, and I said this to you the other day, is, is you know he's clearly he's, he's he's brought Michael Keane straight back into the setup. I know Cody wasn't playing well. We had a little section on Cody the other week, and whilst on the whole, I think he's been a good signing for us. You know, he has he has had a couple of uh, uh, tough games since the restart, but he's thrown Michael Keane in straight away. And the two games we've had Michael Keane and Tarkovsky, albeit look to caveat it, one was away to the league leaders. We conceded six goals in two games with Michael Keenan and Tarkovsky at the back. You know what I mean? And 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 yeah, the fact Yerry Mina hasn't had a minute and he's still sitting on the bench is baffling to me. If we look at our stats, we all we can all pretty much as a fan base agree that Yerry Mina is our best centre half. We've said this on this podcast several times. He's not had a minute as he under dice yet, really. I don't think he has. So for me, he's he's got to he's got to he's got to get in the side, Mike. The stats show it when Yerry plays. We have we have a better uh, points per game ratio, you know what I mean, and he, and he's a threat in the opposition box, like we said the other day. Look, I know Michael Keane got the assist with the corner the other day, and he can be a threat himself. But I just think the fact he's just thrown straight away Michael Keane has almost gone from like fifth or sixth choice to suddenly first or second choice in the space of you know in the blink of an eye, basically. So for me, he, he's got to look at that. He has got to look at that, and you know whether he persists now with me, uh, with sorry, with Tarkovsky and Keane for the rest of the season, need to be looked at. I'd still keep Ben Godfrey on the left. I know obviously he's tired, and at times he's 
He gets caught positionally, but he just offers us that something different on that side with his energy, you know, and, and his one-on-ones are normally pretty decent. Um, you know, and what, what Vinagre must, must do to be able to get a game, by the way, is unbelievable. In the little snippets we've seen of Vinagre, he's clearly got something about him. He likes to go, you know, likes to get to the byline and get crosses in. He's definitely got something about him more in the final third. He's clearly just not well thought of as a defender, is he? Otherwise, he would have he would have had some minutes by now. But um, yeah, so going back to that initial point, it's going to be a tough game. I don't know what you think on Michael Keane, though. I, I just don't. He's had his chances at Everton. There's games where you think, yeah, you're a top centre half, mate, you know, and then there's games where you think, you know, we're near the required level. He's too inconsistent for me. Um, mm. I don't know what you think. I, th- I mean, I think he's been thrown in because he's had a previous relationship with Sean Dyson and he trusts them. That's probably the, the best reason that I can give him. You know, he knows his game. He knows what his attributes are. So, over, we look at Yemi Mina, uh, Godfrey potentially playing centre-half, Connor Cody. You know, I, I understand from that point why he's been brought in. But like we've said, we feel Yemi Mina, you know, is our best centre-half. I think the, thing, the issue with Mina is if he's, if he's looking for a, a settled and stable start in 11, then he thinks, well, if I throw Yemi Mina in, What's the what's the chances of him being fifth for 11, 12 games on the spin? That's what I think. So he thinks, well, what's the point of me giving him a game? Then he, he might break down and then I'm, I'm going to have to change it anyway. So I think that's part of it. Me personally, I'd like to see Yerry Mina in there because he brings, he's got, he's as good in the air or better in the air than Michael Keane. He's stronger than Michael Keane. He's a wind-up merchant and gets under other players' skin, which is, is, a, is a great attribute to have. He is a leader. He's become a leader, I think, over the last probably 12 months, especially. As much as he struggled at times with injury, I think when he had a, that, that purple patch um, last season and the season before, you started to see him come out of his shell. And, you know, he, he is barking orders. And I think he, he can be an important player. But I do understand from a manager's perspective why he's, he's, over, he's been overlooked. Um, he's got to have a look at him, though, hasn't he? You know, at the end of the day, he's had a look at a few other players. You know, he's changed the front line now. He's got to have a look at him. You know, he can't just judge him based on training, you know, training training sessions. He's going to have to have a look at him. You know, and I'd, I'd have personally started Jerry Meenough against Chris Wood uh, at the weekend. And, you know, Ivan Tony's another physical striker. I, you know, put it this way now. Would you feel a lot more confident with Jerry Meenough against Ivan Tony at the weekend or Michael Keane? Oh, yeah, yeah. You mean every day of the week, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, totally agree. I just think that as a manager, Sean Dice likes, like, settled settled 11s and, and players that he can always rely upon. For me, sometimes you've got to, you've got to, well, you've got to look for a game-by-game situation, whether it's your centre-halves, your wing-backs, your centre-mid or your attackers. You've got to look at, well, OK, who's got the best attributes to, to fit into our system in this game? And if it's Yerry Mina against an Ivan Tony or whatever it might be, then you play Yerry Mina. If, if it's Ben Godfrey playing left-back because they've got you know, quick, quick wingers. Then you play Ben Godfrey, of course you do, because it makes more sense. As much as Michalenko is probably a better defender, if we look at a sort of baseline defending, Ben Godfrey, for me, is a better all-round defender and has got more attributes, especially for this kind of game. Michalenko's great against Arsenal when you've got him and McNeil doubling up against Saka or whoever it might be on that side, or Manchester City or what have you. But I think against, against Brentford, when you're going to be looking to win the game, you are going to need at times if you are pushing and pressing and looking for a goal, 
you are going to need players who can recover, and Ben Godfrey fit, fits the bill there. So you've always got to look at it from a game by game situation, in my opinion. You know, and you can't you can't always just be static and say, well, I want to stick with this eleven because you know they're reliable. Um, I've seen more of them. You've got to make changes. But to be fair to the manager, you know, the, in terms of the attacking situation, he made that change against Forest. He brought in Demari Gray. I think it worked well. We mentioned that already in terms of what he brought to the game and, and how different it was in that sense. I think he'll go with that again. I think we'll see the same from three. I hope to see Dominic Calvert-Loon in and around the squad. You know, if we need something or we need to, to protect the league with 15 to go, get him on. You know, he, he can chase, he's good in the air, he can hold the ball up, he can win fouls, he can bring players in. So I'm, a ho- I'm hoping Saturday that the squad has, has got a little bit more quality quality in it so we can call upon players on the bench. So, you know, if we need to protect leads or we need to make a change and we need to try and get a goal. The players are there. But Brentford is such a... I put Brentford in the same bracket as Brighton, to be honest with you, in terms of... They're a little bit behind them. But in terms of recruitment and in terms of their structure and in terms of how settled they are, that makes them a threat because everyone knows what everyone what everyone's job is. They've had the same manager there for a little while, so they've all worked under that same that same manager for quite a long period. Um, um, they've got players who can you can hurt yeah and can hurt any side. You know the the stuff United at the start of the season four 0 You say they've beaten Liverpool, um, so whether they're home or away, they're a threat wherever they're playing. Yeah, that goes without saying. I think them and Brighton uh, deserve massive credit for the seasons they've had this season. They're both in the top half of the table. Brentford has scored 37 goals this season as well. That's not to be sniffed at in the Premier League. You know what I mean? They've scored double, basically, our goals this season. And I think they've only conceded 30 as well. So they've been solid at the back. You know, So they've been a very well, you know, all-round team, really. And like I said, Thomas Frank deserves massive credit. He's done a fantastic job there. They, they they got dragged into the relegation battle, if you remember, at the end of last season. And in the end, they managed to stay up. But, you know, other than that, they they were having a great season up until the last last couple of months, uh, last season. So, you know, credit where it's due. You know, like you said, they're a well-run club. Um, they have an identity. You know, they've got a recruitment, a really good recruitment um, system, similar to Brighton. We had another great result of the weekend, by the way. Brighton were brilliant at the weekend. Again, scored another four goals. So Brighton in those three games, you know, as Liverpool and West Ham have scored nearly what we've scored all season, mm. which is nuts when you think about it, but credit where it's due there as well. So, you know, again, you know, there's no easy game in the Premier League. We know that, but this is a real opportunity at home you know, to get three points. And we need the three points, Mike, we do. Like I said before, the games are running out. We can't keep on thinking, well, like, the next game's a big game. The next game's a big Well, every game's a big game. We know that. But we, we, we've just got to get daylight for me between now and now and the end of the season. I do not want to be going into the last four or five games of the season in the bottom three, maybe reliant on other results or reliant on us, you know, suddenly having to beat Man United, for example, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just don't want it. I want, us, I want us to try and get a couple of wins on the bounce. A couple of wins out of nowhere right now, two wins on the bounce right now suddenly rockets you into sort of, you know, 13th or 12th or something like that, doesn't it? If the results go go your way. And it suddenly pulls you away, the daylight, and it lifts a little bit of pressure away from the players as well. You know, I've look, just looked at the fixtures then, you know, Southampton and Bournemouth have both got tricky fixtures at the weekend, you know, in terms of they've got Man United and um, Liverpool, you know what I mean? So, 
they won't be guaranteed uh, wins, by the way. But still, that's, that's, you, know, you, you just don't know in football, do you? you know, Bournemouth went, nearly went at Arsenal at the weekend. You would have never thought that. You know, Bournemouth beat Chelsea away that you know not long ago as well. Out of nowhere, having been on a dreadful run, so you just never know. The way United played the other day, by the way, you wouldn't be surprised if they get a result against them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it, it's it's just. I know we only need to focus on us, and we do. But you know, if we are focusing on us, then we have to get three points this weekend just to help, just to pull us away from you know from from the danger zone, really, because. You do not understand the impact it can have mentally on a team if suddenly you you suddenly go bottom of the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That 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 impact it can have on players is massive. Um, and and I know Dice will be turning around going, it's not you know, and he said it a few times. It's not the table now; it's the table at the end of the season. That's what I'm bothered about. Well, yes, but it, it impacts players mentally more than you think. Oh no, you, you're right. Of course, you know the the mental side of the game is is a hugely important factor. We said it already. You know, just getting. A win, you know, when we, when we beat Leeds and, and the guys did that bottom three mentally, it's a big thing. But if you can put it together, you know, two two wins on the spin, two wins in the draw in three games, it's a big thing. And and the players, like you say, it relieves that little bit of pressure the players find themselves in, and you start to play with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more relaxed. And it does it does certainly help performances. Um, but looking at those fixes you mentioned there, you know, we can't rely on other teams slipping up and. There's nothing certain, like I said, some of the, the sides you are down there are picking up wins against sides, which which they shouldn't be. You know, we, we look at we look at Southampton went to Chelsea the other week and won one nil. That was a surprise. Bournemouth ran, I say Bournemouth ran Arsenal really, really close and lucky enough to get at least a point after leading 2-0. You know, Liverpool got Bournemouth in the early game. So before we even kick off on Saturday, we'll know the results of that. The three o'clock's on, on Saturday. Forest, they were still thinking are in there away at Tottenham. Leeds have got Brighton, obviously tough game. Then Palace, who I think are, you know, going to get dragged in. They've got Man City at the R5 game at home. Southampton away at United. West Ham at home to Villa. Listen, Villa are turned the corner, as we saw ourselves at Goodison Park under Emery, won again at the weekend. So they're, they're in a decent little bit, little bit of form there. So, you know, we've got to, we can put sides under pressure by our results on Saturday. We're in a good position to do so. And we need to do so. You know we've got it. We've got to look to win that game. It's it's that simple. And you know, Sean Dice said in his press conference, he sees every game as must win. You don't approach your game to 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 not not win a game as such. You try and set up in a manner that you think can win the game. Doesn't matter who you play against. But we've got it. We've got to approach it in the in the right way. And as I say, I think what a big lift a big lift would be if we have got Patterson, Garner, Calvert Lewin. All back in the squad. That, that's a big lift for the for the uh, the players on the pitch. Knowing, listen, I can give me all here for 70, 75 minutes, and then I can come off and be replaced by someone who can do exactly the same as me. That's that's the thing because the drop off in quality, as we said already in the past, is big from our eleven to our bench, and we we need to try and sort of bridge that gap a little bit. And getting these players back in certainly certainly will help that. But let's finish off with your prediction. What are you saying for the uh, for the Brentford game? Well, ask me, ask me tomorrow after they've played Fulham. They're playing <laughs> Fulham tonight, aren't they? So yeah, let's they see are. how they play tonight. Um, Fulham and another fantastic season, and you know Marco Silva, a guy that we, you know, let's be fair at the time, like Marcel Brands was saying, we should give him a bit more time. Um, but you know, uh, he's he's done a fantastic job there. Um, another another guy that should be in with a shout of manager of the season as well. By the way. But um, 
like I said, it's a must-win game, and and we've, we've, we're playing a team that is beatable at home. I'm going to say two-one Everton because you know from a team suddenly looks like we you know we're very solid at the back. We like I said, we've conceded eight in the last three games, so I think we're going to need to score two to win the game. And I think you should go with Damari up front again. Stick, he'll probably stick with the same, pretty much the same team. Um, we've got to handle Ivan Tony if we're to get anything out of the game. We've got to handle him. I don't care what you say. He's a, he's a handful, and he has scored against us uh, a few times in the past. So um, I'm going to go two on Everton. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think it'd be be uh, it'd be the same scoreline. They are going to score, like you say. The the way that we've shifted, you know, shifted from being difficult to break down. You know, and okay, we've had chances, but not sticking the ball in the back of the net to then shipping loads of goals against Arsenal. Obviously, four against them, two against Liverpool, two against Villa, and then we we saw then signs obviously against Nottingham Forest that listen, if the right players are on the pitch, we can score goals because the chances are there. So I do think we will concede. We don't look quite as solid as, as maybe we did, um, but having the mind Gray start, I think, is a big thing. Let those players who started against. Against Nottingham Forest, Ratham and Cotton Wool. They got a day off today. I think uh, Begovic is in in London, so I'm assuming they're all they're all off. A um, little bit of a rest day, recover recover correctly, and then get them nice and sharp. Because I, I I envisage the same starting eleven again. To be honest with you, uh, Michalenko probably back in the squad after after illness as well. Um, and let's let's give it a, a real good go. Goodison Park got to be at, at its best at its best once again uh, once again, but. That's us for this week. We will be back after Brentford. Uh, we'll be doing next Sunday to look back on that game and look ahead to, obviously, difficult fixtures coming thick and fast. Chelsea away, round the corner. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Podcast Network.